and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. And this week, it's a podcast on Mr. Harrison Ford. Uh, it's been kind of a busy year for, for Harrison Ford. This weekend sees the release of the fifth Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Harrison Ford, of course, also being on two TV series this year, Shrinking on Apple and the Yellowstone prequel series 1923. Uh, so to discuss Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford, uh, very welcome to have back on uh, Film Inquiry Editor-in-Chief, Christy Strauss. Christy, welcome. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I, I love to you know talk about Mr. Ford. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So what's kind of your relationship with... Harrison Ford. I mean, I say that like you know, you you two hang out. <laughs> that obviously isn't the case. But like, what's what's been your relationship just as a moviegoer with Harrison Ford? When did you first become exposed to him? Has he been kind of like a central movie star that you've kind of kept tabs on throughout the decades? Well, when we first met, you know, we were we weren't fast <laughs> friends. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, I you know, being someone. Um, just of the time, I guess, when I was younger, Star Wars and um, Indiana Jones were so <laughs> just so relevant and popular. And it was something that I watched on repeat on VHS. I still have my old Star Wars VHS tapes, which is pretty cool, but um, not my Indiana. But um, they were, you know, he's a character in both of those that are just so uh, likable and rootable. And it, it made it very easy to to like Harrison Ford. And as I got older, yeah, I definitely kept track of his career. Um, I've been a fan of a lot of the movies that he's done. I love The Fugitive uh, when I was younger as well, which I still do. It's a terrific movie. Uh, Witness. Um, and yeah, I just, it's interesting that he's had such a busy year because I don't know, he doesn't seem, you know, I mean, when we're in private, he's always really nice, but to the public he doesn't you know there's a, he has a little bit of like a thing where he seems a little bit agitated and yet you know like almost like he doesn't want to be here but then there's like moments where it seems like he's really loving loving his job and so it's just interesting that he would take on so much because he's you know he's also not young um you know i mean the first what indy was like 42 years ago or something right mm -hmm. so yeah but yeah i mean he's 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 80 years old um, and is definitely sort of like it seems like he's kind of leaning into this curmudgeon -y old man like star persona now, which is interesting. Um, my kind of relationship with him, I, I very closely associate him with my dad, probably because like my dad like showed us Star Wars when we were kids and then showed us the Indiana Jones movies very quickly after, as well as there were just a bunch of Harrison Ford movies on VHS like in the house like the i know we had all of the like jack ryan uh harrison ford movies yeah like, like clear and clear and present danger and um uh, patriot, games. patriot games yeah yeah and so like i i very closely you know associate him with memories of my dad it probably was like one of the first movie stars that like i was aware of as an actor if that makes sense of just sort of like oh i know this guy's name and i like know a bunch of the movies that he's in and i want to see a movie if he's in it um whereas like i don't think i quite had that relationship to actors necessarily as a kid and he was kind of one of the first ones where it's like oh this 
this guy's both Han Solo and Indiana Jones, and like I, I just love both of those series. So I want to see all the other movies he's in, and would be able to like recognize him if he popped up in something. Um, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm curious what you think about this, this theory of mine. I think he is secretly like the best action movie actor we've probably ever had. Um, well, I mean, get off my plane, right? You know, uh, yeah, <laughs> but even more than that, like there's something about him that's just kind of like, I, and I'd also be curious if you think there's anyone who kind of fits in this zone now, but he's kind of a breed of movie star that we don't really make anymore, which is an action star that just kind of seems like an average guy, but he's also like really, really handsome. Like, Harrison Ford is an objectively like really, really handsome man, but he just kind of seems like, you know, he's not Chris Hemsworth or like Chris Evans. He doesn't have this like rip chiseled body or something. He, he, he was a carpenter. He just looks like this like normal dude that would be kind of rugged dude that would be working on your car or something like that or like your dad's friend or something like that wait did you just pull carpenter out like just as an example or did he actually work as a carpenter no no i think he was a carpenter before he was an an actor i think that's how he met uh like george lucas and all of them was like building sets and stuff for productions I didn't know that. That's that's awesome. That's really cool. And that makes perfect sense. I thought you were just like randomly like he's the carpenter. You know, he's he's the normal guy that's like fixing something up. No, that's awesome. Um, no, I'm, I'm almost I mean, <laughs> someone could call me out on Twitter if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's like the the story of like how he auditioned for like Star Wars and stuff is he was just like a, a like production assistant guy and was just sort of like building stuff with plywood and like was sitting in for readings and stuff like that. And they had no intention on casting him and we're just like, Oh, this guy's like really, really good. We should, um, you know, put him in more of the movies, but yeah, there's, I, I think he's that every man quality about him is something that I think is, is so appealing and so crucial. I think to the Indiana Jones character, especially, I mean, I think, his performance in Raiders is maybe the greatest action movie performance ever. And uh, the sense of just like exhaustion and kind of fed upness about that role. Like I, I laugh every time I see Raiders because just Ford's facial expressions are just like him constantly. He's like the guy in an action movie that like, he really doesn't want to be in an action movie and is like kind of annoyed to have to be like punching people out in the desert but that that makes for such a relatable movie star. I'm I'm curious, do you do you think there's anyone like that today that's kind of in a similar zone? Yeah, so just to touch on cuz there was a lot just there. Um and I'm still like wondering I, I need to find out if he was just a scruffy nerf herder and <laughs> sorry, I had to say it. Um but yeah, so I think that is interesting that you say that. And I think, first of all, I want to point out that that's exactly, I think, what makes Indiana's character, the character of Indiana Jones, so like cool and relatable and charming is that he does like, he's like the hero that doesn't want to be the hero. He just is. And he, he's, he messes up like all the time, you know, like he, I think one of the quotes is like, I'm making it up as I go or whatever. Like um, he, he really just doesn't, he's he's also kind of crotchety he's like the most harrison ford in any role it's like is is like is um indiana jones and i actually just re-watched the 
the series, um, I guess not that long ago. And yeah, I'm the same way. I actually think he's hilarious. And I think that his mannerisms and expressions and little grunts and stuff is just what some of the magic of him as a actor. And he is a really great um, action star. You, you know, when you said that, I was thinking like, cause he's, I'm trying to think of all his roles. He's been in so many friggin' movies and I have to point out working girl and it's not an action, but I just love working girl and he's so, great in that. Um, I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun talking about like at towards the end of this episode, like our favorite, like non action movie Harrison Ford performances. Cause I, I, I do think and he probably feels this way too. It seems to come off in interviews. I, I think he's underrated as just an actor in general. Um, and it's been fun this like past week going back and like watching YouTube videos of like oh yeah he's you know he's really good in this like one scene in apocalypse now or st stuff like that like i i don't think he gets enough credit for just sort of like being great in comedies and in dramas and stuff like that oh yeah i think he's definitely um you know i think he's a very talented actor and i think it's probably because of the kind of roles that he's had um that were so iconic like when you're someone that's in these kind of franchises like sometimes those more dramatic roles um, and those really like strong performances, like he's really quite terrific in witness. They, they might get kind of oh blade runner, obviously too. Those might get kind of, um, you know, pushed aside. People might not think of that automatically, but I think uh, I'd even love to see him in more dramatic roles as he's kind of closing out his career, however long he's going to go, because who knows? I just heard Clint Eastwood's making another movie. So who knows what people are crazy. Um, but anyway, I, um, to answer your question, I was just really trying to rack my brain to think of like somebody that's relatable to him. And, and, you know, he does have a quality about him that is, is kind of like a, I don't know, a bygone time, which is a little sad. So it's hard to conjure up like a, an actor now that reminds me of that, um, of him and his performances. Like I was trying to think the closest, you know, like the everyday guy, um, but no, I really don't have someone. <laughs> I like everybody I think of ends up being like something like too charming or like, you know, or too comical. Um, you know, he's definitely a very um interesting guy. You know, he's very unique. So but maybe you have Adam one driver is maybe the one person, but even then like driver seems to be his you know, son. Just... You're really gonna go with his son. <laughs> but I just mean of like, you know, there's something like very uh e kind of like average guy looking about Adam Driver while also like I've you know known plenty of of people who have like you know expressed like no there's something like really really insanely attractive about him um but it, but I mean his career is kind of except for the, uh, the obvious like Star Wars crossing of the the lightsabers <laughs> to, to use like a, a force metaphor like oh wow and then i use force in that sentence um but like their their careers seem to have gone like adam driver seems to be going more in the like kind of prestige route than the like um you know action franchise thing but is maybe like the one person you know, like I rewatched, um, and maybe we can talk about it a little bit at the towards the end of the episode. I watched for the first time the Mosquito Coast, um, a couple nights ago, and kind of like Adam Driver was like the only, even though I know there was, uh, I think a TV series with Justin Thoreau, Thoreau. yeah, that was mostly based off of that movie, but like, 
Adam Driver is maybe the one person I could think of that could like kind of do that that role today and like you could buy as both sort of like a bit of a brainiac guy while also like a a man who like works with his hands all day if that makes sense it's it's this very like fine line that i i feel like ford inhabits that that as you said it's hard to pinpoint someone who would be in that zone today yeah i can i can see a uh, little you know han solo jr um being <laughs> um I definitely get that. I think in a lot of ways, you know, he isn't the obvious, like, attractive movie star. He's, he's also very um, unique character, like, actor in, in himself, but um, also just person. I mean, and it's actually funny you said, like, making stuff with his hands, building, because his character in Girls just, like, randomly builds things. <laughs> so now I was, like, picturing that character. Um, it's funny because in the Star Wars realm, like, Oscar Isaac almost, I could, there's a little bit of it, too, um, depending on yeah. the role, you know? Um, and he was almost like the new Han Solo. So it, maybe there was something there to that casting, but I do think there are similarities and, and Adam driver, um, he might lean into quirkiness a little bit more. Whereas like Harrison was a little more broody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's probably the distinction there, but, um, yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that connection, but yeah. Um, that's a good one. Adam driver yeah. <laughs> is the new Harrison uh- for so I'll just talk about a little bit the new Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, I don't really think there's, I mean, I can kind of avoid spoilers. It's it's an Indiana Jones movie. There's not really like that much to, that would be, fit into the realm of spoilers like, um, you know, to... To, that I would need to flag for you in the audience. I think all I would really just not need to talk about is the the very ending of this movie. Um, but it's set in the 1960s, kind of on the, the, the eve of the moon landing. Um, Indiana Jones is kind of a man out of time in this one, uh, sort of living on his own. His adventuring days are done. Um, Ford really leaning into the like curmudgeon-y uh, star persona that he has now. This is a very like grovelly, world weary, uh, kind of like beaten down Indiana Jones that's just sort of like near the end of his life and is just kind of coasting there and knows his best days are probably behind him and eventually meets up with his goddaughter, played by Phoebe Waller Bridge, who is on the quest for this dial, the aforementioned Dial of Destiny and uh is up uh, being hunted down and up against uh a group of cia agents and former nazis that now work for the intelligence department or have deals with the intelligence department uh the two main ones played by mads mickelson and boiled holbrook um and indy inevitably just gets kind of roped into one last adventure and helping his goddaughter who is this like black market antiquities dealer sort of find this one last treasure um it's it it, it's it's not like a train wreck which (laughs) this sounds like a bad place to kind of like start us out at but i think a good sort of explanation for this movie is really kind of what happens in the first 20 minutes which the first 20 minutes or so is this giant extended flashback sequence that's set in world war ii um kind of as the the german army is sort of nearing its defeat and it features a de-aged 
Harrison Ford. So trying to like make Harrison Ford look like he did in Last Crusade. Look like Harry Ford. Yes. <laughs> and um you know, it's 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 an interesting metaphor for the movie because when you first see him in this sequence, it's it's like, oh, that's like really impressive. It's like uncanny. There's like this is it's this uncanny replication of this older thing that I know. Um, but then as the sequence goes on, there's something that you can't quite put your finger on that just doesn't feel right. And it's maybe like, oh, depending on the angle that he's staring at, like the effect looks real or doesn't look real it just looks like a cgi face and that's kind of how the movie felt to me it's um this is the first indiana jones movie that i mean obviously does not have the involvement of george lucas um f now that disney owns lucasfilm and it's also the first one that doesn't really have the involvement of steven spielberg although he still has a producer credit on it and you kind of feel that it's 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 directed by James Mangold, um, who I think you and I have talked about before. I I think is a talented sort of sturdy studio filmmaker. He's the guy that did Ford versus Ferrari, Walk the Line. He made a couple of the Hugh Jackman Wolverine movies, and I think does like a serviceable job with this new Indiana Jones movie. But the longer it goes on, the more. I at least got to feel like something something's not clicking. And I think what it was is you is just James Mangold's unfortunately not Steven Spielberg. Like it's a tall task to live up to. Um, and what you miss is a sense of the showmanship, the kind of kinetic camera movements and the sort of precise blocking and the just sense of forward momentum that is sort of imbued into every moment of, those previous Indiana Jones movies. And that's all Spielberg bringing that. And this movie never quite, it's got all of the elements and sort of ingredients that you recognize as being part of an Indiana Jones movie. It's got the hat, it's got the song, it's got callbacks to certain characters, but there's a pace and a sort of like sense of playfulness in the filmmaking that just is absent a little bit and i kind of found the movie a bit of a slog at a certain point which i was i would not say for whatever you think of kingdom of the crystal skull which um you know is i don't think very fondly remembered by most people i that movie at least has spielberg's sort of kinetic sense of flair to it um and this sort of like sense of every moment kind of being this sort of set up to the next moment and that movie just sort of moves for all of its problems and this is a movie that felt a little bit kind of as it was not stumbling out of the gate but just sort of did not have the same rhythm and same energy that the other indiana jones movies did and i think that kind of added to the perception of this as a movie that only really exists for disney shareholders and because like oh, shoot, we own this property now. We need to quickly make another one of these movies before Harrison Ford dies. Right. Um, well, that's said. I haven't seen it. But I do want to ask, like, so I'm a really big fan of Logan. Um, mm -hmm. I actually think that's a terrific film. And Mangle kind of changed the the feel, the vibe, you know, even the um, kind of look and perception of that character with Wolverine. And I was wondering if there was a chance that that would 
there would be a little bit more grittiness. There would be a little bit more of a shift with this last Indiana, because in a lot of ways there is a similarity. They're older. It's like their final run, you know, they're a hero. Everybody loves them. Um, but I've taken it that it was not, this did not happen and it did not jive in that way. It's sort of halfway attempts to do that. I weirdly wonder, I think it maybe would have had a more interesting movie if you would combine the sort of man out of time stuff in this movie of, sort of like the world has moved past Indiana Jones and he sort of doesn't know his place in it anymore with some of the the family stuff in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I think if you would combine both of those elements into sort of one movie, you'd maybe have this interesting arc for the character. It's just, it you can feel the movie kind of leaning towards maybe wanting to to go in that direction that you're suggesting, but it also wants to sort of recapture a lot of the very familiar feel of those Spielberg Indiana Jones movies. So it's sort of this awkward sort of middle between those two tones. Um, I don't know whether the full Logan version of like, you know, Indy sitting alone at, at a bar kind of like crying to Johnny Cash covering hurt would like, you know, I don't know if that would totally work. I would love that with him. him <laughs> he's just sitting there alone at the bar with his whip on the table, just like so sad. And like, yeah, I would, I would love it. Let's get the noir version of this. That would yes, be I, I, I don't know how that would have would have worked, but that the that would definitely would have been like a, a push in a more drastic uh, direction than I think this movie kind of almost wants to take this character into a more kind of sad melancholy place, but also wants it to be this kind of rollicking adventure movie at the same time. And it doesn't really, it feels like this awkward mesh of both. And I found just sort of like dragged in a couple sections in a way that I've never felt, even if I don't love all the other Indiana Jones movies, I would not say pacing and, and sort of like, the sense of forward momentum is is necessarily something that any of those movies are are lacking. No, for sure. I mean, they're fun. You know, I've seen them so many times. They're one of those movies too, like no matter how many times I've seen it, like if I would put on the TV and I have like satellite or something, if it's in the middle of a Indiana Jones movie, I would just sit down and watch it. It's like one of those things that you can just always like fall right back into place with. Um, for me, at least because I, I have seen them so many times, but um, yeah, I, it, pacing is never an issue with it. I, I always feel like those movies breeze by too. So that's, you know, a bummer to hear, but I also don't necessarily, can't really say I had a huge like <laughs> expectation for this movie. It's interesting that the reviews have gotten more positive since cans. I wonder if that was like a poor idea <laughs> to like, Oh, one, 1000%. 1, I, I don't think you should premiere a blockbuster at can unless like, you know, you, you know, the, the good. Yeah. Right, or if you're like Top Gun Maverick and you're like, all right, we've shown this to people for the last, like, we've shown this to critics and we've shown this at like a, a previous convention. And we, we feel pretty confident that this is going to be like the movie of the summer. Um, I I would, I, we talked about this, Hunter Heilman and I talked about this on like an episode right after the Cannes premiere of just like, that was an insanely dumb decision by, by Disney because you had like a month of bad buzz about this movie before it came out. Um, and I'm sure some people will have a fun time. I just sort of left feeling, I don't know that there's necessarily enough meat on the bone to justify why we, you know, we needed to return to this character 
um, and sort of ruminate on what what he means as like an old man now. <laughs> Nor did I get any of the kind of like I felt like I was missing some of the sort of visceral just movie pleasure that um some of the other films in this series have given me. Um, That's funny because you say what he feels like as an old man now, but it still takes place in what would you say the 60s or 50s it's 60s, it's 60s. i believe it's yeah, set in so 69 <laughs> how he feels as an old man in the 60s which already feels weird yeah i could i can understand where you're coming from there um which is a bummer but again i you know kind of anticipated and i'll still see it you know i can't say like crystal skull was interesting because i was like wow he's doing another one you know and i i really thought last crusade was such a great way to ride out <laughs> um but uh you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure there's not going to be another, I don't know how it ends and I don't want to even like hint spoiler, but um, we'll see. I, I think he's probably hung up the hat. Yeah. It's, it's interesting comparing this role, even to like Han Solo, like maybe this can kind of be a bridge into like our larger Harrison Ford conversation, but like, it's interesting that Harrison Ford has such a complicated relationship with han solo i think to put it lightly but indiana jones i think both because it's a better part that i think gives him more to do as an actor as well as that it's a series that he has some financial stake in so i'm sure that's also helpful for why he is often so eager to return to this character is both like he enjoys playing it while also like he gets to share in the profits if the movie does well. I mean, you get to be a like treasure seeking archaeologist uh, professor, you know, I mean, why wouldn't you want to return back to this role if you can? Right. I mean, it's it's a pretty cool role. Yeah, it lets him be both an action star while also a little bit of a brainiac at the same time, like a little bit of of a nerd. Um, but. I. It, his just willingness to kind of constantly return to this character it, it there's always sort of a pep in his step a little bit um maybe this is the first movie that it doesn't quite have that um crystal skull is sort of interesting to me but kind of like now that we're talking about it because i revisited it a couple nights ago and that's a movie that has like kind of an interesting idea at its center and the idea of like, well, if we update it to the 50s, what if we make it this like clash between kind of 30s adventure serials and kind of like 50s science fiction movies? And so it's almost like B-movies from two different eras kind of colliding, but that sort of doesn't work in the movie. Um, it, it, it at least feels like testing out a new direction for the series to go in in a way that doesn't quite work. Whereas this movie feels like, all right, can we go back on some more familiar beats and kind of iconography. But um, I would also say still kind of has for the people that kind of like walked out of crystal skull uh, disappointed by just the, um, the lack of kind of practical stunts and effects that are part of the fun of the eighties movies. Um, I would say there's, there's a lot of kind of like CGI bakery in this new one um that i i don't know just another element of this series that i enjoy is you know that like car chase sequence in the first raiders and you know all of the kind of practical elements in it really feeling like ford out there kind of like as as he says like falling for our amusement um out on out in the world and 
these last couple Indiana Jones movies, I think, have missed that by sort of adding this this more kind of digital sphere to the action set pieces. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I, I've talked about this a lot, something that I'm pretty passionate about, but I, I just think that that's sometimes the danger of moving too much into those type of effects because personally, I love practical effects. Um, I always use the example of the original Yoda <laughs> to the advanced Yoda who's doing backflips and, you know, whatever. Um, it There's just something more tangible and real and, you know, it, it's it's all art and it's all incredibly impressive and I could never do any of it. But like the idea that they built, like I think it was like fiberglass. I don't know what it was, the boulder that's like rolling after him and Raiders. And, you know, like that sense of um, movie magic that comes from those type of practical effects. You know, when you mix them, uh, I think, and it's done well that it's not too over the top and it's not like, like in Crystal Skull, um, it's great. Or obviously, if you have something like Avatar, where it's just like, you know, billions of dollars poured in and whatever, and years and years and years. Um, but for, for the most part, like, I, I'm always going to be a vote for practical. But especially if it's something like this, where we've been watching him for 40 years, we've seen and, you know, him do a lot of things. And all of a sudden, if it's got too much special effects, where it, sometimes I remember in Crystal Skull, there's even parts where he's like jumping I don't know. It doesn't look good. You know, it doesn't look right. And um, it just makes you wonder, like, could there have been a better way to have done that? And I think it takes you out of it a little bit, you know, and we don't expect him to be Tom Cruise. There's only one of those guys, you know, I mean, he's not going to be jumping off, you know, cliffs, you know, we get it, but, um, or hanging from a bridge or <laughs> when he cuts the bridge. Um, but yeah, it does take you out of it a bit. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm good moving on from crystal school. If you want to go backwards, yeah yeah i think i think it's just like you know i get more of a thrill from like you know that boulder scene that you mentioned of like that's an actual thing that's rolling towards harrison ford as opposed to like in the new one like him and phoebe waller bridge jumping out of an airplane and it's like well that's they're not really jumping out of an airplane you know what i mean and like i know we can't really get like throw like 80 year old harrison ford out of an airplane <laughs> that's even though man seems to like crashing planes a lot but um <laughs> i say it with love harrison um <laughs> but yeah there there there's a certain visceral thrill that i think is is sort of removed by by how much these last two movies sort of rely on on digital effects versus kind of the the practical stunt work of the previous movies uh what what are kind of your individual opinions on one through three like the original 80s trilogy um yeah and i will just add really quick too like you could also just not make him jump out of a plane like instead of like finding a way to make him do that change the scene that it's a more realistic thing for a man of his age to be doing he's not a superhero you know so like work on that but anyway um that's a whole other thing I could have a conversation for a while about that. But yeah, I, I love the three movies. It's interesting because I think Raiders is the best. I think, um, you know, the one that doesn't even have Indiana Jones's name. I think it's his wonderful introduction. I love the arc. I love Karen Allen. Um, I think that the, I think it's even a little bit eerie and creepy. I think that there's a wonderful um, mixture of comedy um, action and just like, you know, genuine like wonder for like what he's doing and what's going on. Uh, and I think it's just the, the tightest. I think it's just iconic. Um, it's funny, like how John Williams scores, like he's obviously just a master, right? Um, 
but like you cannot you just hear it in your head you just know it and it's just uh everything about that movie is just um fantastic to my opinion but temple was actually the one that as a kid i liked the most and i've i've heard that from other people and i th- i don't know like maybe it's because of short round and maybe it's because of the fact that you have a character that's a child that's like hanging out with indiana jones so it's like i'm hanging out with indiana jones um and there's a lot more humor there's a lot more play into the comedy because of um i'm blanking on her name she's you know out in the jungle she you know is getting sprayed by elephants she doesn't want to be there um and i know there's a lot of problematic elements with that movie of course um and some people i think don't like it or it's one of the least liked uh, as far as what i've heard but um as a kid i thought it was it was a lot of fun and maybe it was also because i was you know the riding and the the rails when he's like (laughs) trying to get out of the, the cliff um but then um last crusade is is a fun one like i love the chemistry with sean connery some i mean he is such a perfect casting for the father um, you know, junior, you know, like it's, it's just, he's got that crotchety, like in, you know, but he's also got this like look of innocence. Like he's like, he's not supposed to be here, you know? Um, and so there's a really fun dynamic. And I also just love that they went with the, uh, um, obviously, you know, the inevitable, um, fountain of youth type of thing, you know, and he, he chose poorly. Like, I just love the, um, decision to go that route and so i love the last crusade i think it's a lot of fun i think as an adult it's like the one i have the most fun with but i think raiders is most definitely the best so i'm a big fan of all three i i just think they're very endlessly rewatchable yeah raiders is i mean what what more is there to say like it's it's a perfect movie it's it's like probably i mean like it's up there with jaws is maybe my favorite spielberg movie um I'm I'm curious, have you ever seen the black and white silent movie version of it that Steven Soderbergh did and like put out for free on his website? No, I haven't even heard of this, but I definitely need to see it. <laughs> like what the hell? Yeah, so when I think it was when I was in college, as Steven Soderbergh was just doing all of these like weird recuts of movies. Like I think he took like um he took like Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho and Gus Van Sant's Psycho and kind of edited them into one movie. Well, that's uh, pretty funny. I mean, isn't it like the same thing anyway? Just yeah, yeah, like 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 doing like every other shot or something like that. Or then he took Heaven's Gate, which is like if anyone's ever seen that movie, is like almost four hours, and he cut it down to like under two hours to like try and make it this tighter movie. Um, but he did this, put this version of Raiders out on his website that had all the audio, all the dialogue, all the John Williams score taken out of it and had all the color desaturated out of it. And the only sort of sound was he put the Trent Reznor scores for Social Network and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo in there and basically made it this silent movie and used it as this way to like, okay, you're taking out all the the color, all the audio, like you're just focusing on the image and can like this movie hold up just on the visual filmmaking alone and spoiler alert it does and you're able to like completely follow everything that's going on read you know it it makes you so much more aware of like the movement of the camera and like the positioning of people in a scene um and him really using it as a way to kind of like 
highlight Spielberg's kind of visual filmmaking and blocking and composition, as well as just sort of like how great the Ford performance is and how much you're able to like know what he's thinking at every moment, just because he's so expressive with his eyes. Um, so I don't, I don't really have much to say about Raider. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect movie. Temple of Doom. I, um, last podcast, I briefly shared a, a funny anecdote that that was the one I was not allowed to see as a child. Um, which was funny. We were allowed, I was allowed to see last crusade and Raiders, um, which it's funny because there's like people's heads exploding in Raiders, but like Temple of Doom was the one that was like, you're not allowed to see this one. This one is like, is it because the eating of the brains and the ripping out of the hearts? I guess so. And just like, there's, there's a lot of like children in peril and stuff like that. So I didn't see that one until I was a teenager. And I remember when I did, I was really thrown, like I was expecting it to be this really like hardcore intense movie. And it is in a couple places, but it's also very, very schlocky, which I was not expecting. Um, I think that's, I think that one's fine. I don't, I'm sort of like agnostic to the like, is it the, I think for a while it had a really negative perception. And then now, as you said, there's a lot of people that come come to its defense. I, I think it is, it's, it's fine. Like it's solidly fun. I, it seems like a movie that Spielberg even is like not that fond of and kind of regrets making. Um, I rewatched Last Crusade a couple nights ago as well, and uh, that one, while I don't think is like nearly as perfect as Raiders, like it's it's just a really like purely fun buddy action movie between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, and and works just on the back of like how delightful their chemistry is together, and, I, and I, great I, physical I, comedy too, and like some of the oh, yeah. you know expressions back and forth. It's so funny, like when. Uh, you know, he's getting like spun around, hitting the button and he keeps going around. And I don't know, there's just a lot of really fun uh, moments when he's in the sidecar and like um, they just have such a great chemistry. And would you have chosen the right grail, do you think? Or do you think you would have chose poorly? Uh, I don't think I would have gotten past any of the booby traps. So I don't I don't think I would It makes sense. If he was a carpenter, he picked, you know, he picked the cup that really did look like, you know. The, the the cup he might have had water from when he was building the set of Star Wars. Yeah, I def I definitely would have fallen through. What is the this is the second booby trap where he has to like jump on the tiles and spell out Jehovah, but it, you know you got to spell it in like Greek or something like that. Like I definitely would have just like like been like all right J and fall through the floor. Yeah, I probably just would have thrown myself over. You know, <laughs> you know I'm tapping out, but um, I do think Raiders is perfect and. I it's interesting just to comment real quick. I haven't seen that, but I would, I could imagine, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a very loud movie. And in a sense of like, it's very boisterous. It's got a really impactful score. It's, you know, the color, there's a lot of sound effects. There's a lot going on, but it, it all, co you know, comes together in a way that's, it makes a very fun, exciting, entertaining picture, but I could see it being more, um, you know, almost moody in a sense and relying more on the artistic elements of, you know, camera work. There are some beautiful shots in that movie. Um, like when they're digging um, for the, for the arc and it's just like his like kind of like silhouette and like the sun's going down and there's just a, it, it's a, it's a really beautiful movie to look at. And um, Temple, you know, it definitely, it's funny that you couldn't watch it. And then I'm like, it was my favorite as a kid. Um 
I never really thought about how it might be disturbing. But then again, I watched horror movies as a kid. So, you know, I can't really say anything about that. But um, it definitely is trying to be funnier. Like, there are some really funny scenes with Harrison Ford, like when they accidentally hit the thing and the room's closing. And uh, it, there's just some moments that are genuinely, like, hilarious. But it's almost like 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 little skits or something, you know. And um, it can feel, like, schlocky a little, you know, I think you said. And um, and then Last Crusade, it's like it finds a balance in between those two. And, and that's why I think it's a really uh, good movie and it really works. It's just not raiders but i mean it's very very good quality and it's always fun just always a blast yeah last crusade feels way more like a, a comedy when i revisited it you know it feels closer to something like a 48 hours um but yeah like just thinking about temple of doom it's funny just to think like yeah that's the one there's like voodoo and there's child slaves and there's also like people eat monkey brains and but there's also like it opens with the musical sequence too. Like there's so many like weird elements to that movie. If you like stop and think about it and try and like describe what happens in that one to some people. Um, oh yeah. It sounds like a, um, I don't even know, like a fever drug induced dream. Or something. Right, right, it doesn't right. sound real. They did it. They fall out of a plane and uh, jump out until like, <laughs> what is it? Like a raft. Right. The raft like skis down the mountain and then into a river. <laughs> of course of course but um yeah i always uh i do get a kick though of like some of the animal interactions that they have and some of the stuff like that it's pretty amusing um i i just want to say like just random aside like raiders i was watching it again and you know it's funny how you can watch something so many times and not think about like a, a moment and i was just watching the the scene where he's talking to his friend and he's gonna leave and he's gonna go look for the ark and he's he has his luggage out and he puts a leather coat a whip and then a gun and that's like and then he like shuts it like that's all he is <laughs> it's just so preposterous but yet so fitting and awesome and it makes no sense but it's just perfect and i, I was just like what does he think the whip is? like I, I don't know you know but uh i love it <laughs> so i had to leave with that uh well let's talk about some of our other favorite harrison ford performances and some of the other shades of him as an actor um, is there, there any other kind of like period of his career or performances that mean a lot to you? Or do you think like really highlight kind of an, an un unrecognized aspect of him as an actor? Yeah. You know, um, there's a movie and I, I don't think it's necessarily very well received critically, at least overall, but, um, called regarding Henry that I have this like really soft spot for. Um, and he, he's a guy that like loses his memory and, he's trying to like reconnect with his wife and family who he um was kind of like growing away from and it's definitely a very like vulnerable and kind of sweet performance and tugs at the heartstrings and i don't know i just i have a soft spot for that one um i do love him and also in the sabrina remake i also thought he was uh, really sweet in that movie as well um and an interesting choice for that character but uh you know i think um working girl is just another one i think he's really underused as like a also like a romantic um role you know i i agree yeah i love him in working girl that's like one of my favorite performances of his and like i i i just think about there's the one scene where they go to like the 
It's like that one party and just kind of how silly he looks kind of he's trying to drink like the Mai Tai thing and there's like the absurd straw and stuff and like and and he so looks much, so he looks yeah he looks so ridiculous. There's so many moments of like he's both kind of like really really handsome and kind of hot in that movie while also like you know he's 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 great as kind of the like Cary you know he works in that kind of Cary Grant mold is like he's willing to kind of be a little bumbling and like look a little bit ridiculous it's not that heart far of an extension from like him getting run over by cars and like the indiana jones movies and like punched into airplanes and stuff like that yeah i think he i think he is like really works in that kind of romantic comedy kind of setting and i I feel like um i wish there was more of of that and you know i think he's also obviously everybody knows he's funny like a lot of the reason he's charming in indiana is because of that um but i also think you know he's actually very funny like this is just a scene but like, and, and like anchorman 2 well, you know how like both anchormans they have the ridiculous fights mm-hmm. <laughs> he like turns into a werewolf and i will forever be happy that that moment exists in a movie um and then like also morning glory wasn't great but there's a couple scenes where he's like making a frittata and he's like very <laughs> he says it like that i'm making a frittata he's just like very unhappy but like somehow it's so funny and his facial expressions and i just same thing with working girl you know he was obviously like a younger guy there um but he just still was harrison i don't know it just works and i wish there was more roles like that um because also you know the romantic element between him and leia was also a big draw i think for people in that um franchise so i mean he obviously could have been a Cary grant you could have given him that you know opportunity but uh you know yeah, I I think even like an undeserved or like an unrecognized aspect of him is the like darker places that he's gone to in some some movies. Like I mentioned, um, Mosquito Coast, uh, not too long ago, and like that's a very complicated, like almost like villainous performance towards the end. Like it it it's really like that's kind of like a complicated anti-hero performance. If anyone's never seen that, that's basically the other Peter Weir movie that he did right after Witness, which I I think w- him just aside, like I think him and Witness, that's up there with Raiders as I think like the best acting he's ever done in a movie. That's that's not a movie I love, but he's he's fantastic in it yeah he's also great as richard kimball i mean and fugitive he really um Mm -hmm. and blade runner honestly but like i i I agree i think witness was one of those opportunities for him to kind of flex those dramatic muscles that we were kind of talking about earlier yeah another like funny anecdote about uh witness is uh there i i was dating a girl at one point and we watched that movie um because she really liked harrison ford and like had not seen it before and there's like a moment in that movie. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, where he drinks a glass of lemonade um, and the lemonade's kind of like his shirt's a little unbuttoned and like the lemonade's kind of like dripping down his shirt. And I just remember this girl I was dating kind of just being like, mm, that that is the sexiest any man has ever looked in a movie was just sort of like, I can I like just, an like, audible, like, like a reaction. <laughs> right. It was like this like visceral reaction of just like, oh, my God. Um, so I'm forever going to think about that moment and in association with that movie. Um, but yeah, him and Mosquito Coast, like that's the movie he did with Peter Weir right after. It's not a great movie, but it is, it is an exam, a rare example of like him taking on this very, very complicated role of this inventor that essentially becomes like 
you know, fed up with modern day society and kind of like Cold War paranoia and drags his family out to like the middle of the jungle in South America and tries to build this utopian community there. And over the course of the movie, his hubris and his sort of God complex getting the best of him and putting him and his family in increasing danger. Um, and, and it's just an interesting part of him playing this really morally complicated character that kind of becomes more and more sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's closer to a performance that someone like a Jack Nicholson or a Robert De Niro would do in that period of time. Um, and the movie was a giant flop at the time, but, um, has been a movie that Ford has, I think often cited as like his favorite project that he's ever been involved in. Um, and I have to imagine that's just because that gave him like a really, really meaty performance to work with. Um, the other one, it's not a movie I think is good at all, but it's one of my sneak favorite performances of his is What Lies Beneath. I the, knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, which is another like, he's basically playing, I mean, kind of spoiler if no one's seen that movie. That's the Robert Zemeckis thriller that has um, Michelle Pfeiffer in it and him um but he's basically playing the villain in that movie and he's like really scary and <laughs> towards the end of the movie it's true he actually does like i was just thinking about it when you were talking about darker roles i was like well he does play a villain and you know it's interesting because he he really is kind of creepy at the end you know i mean he does do that and that movie has you know, a variety of issues we don't need to get into but um but he definitely and he plays most of the movie up like the guy that we've seen in so many mm -hmm. things, charming, which you know, of course, is part of the uh, the treachery, right? But yeah, it really leans into the likability and our relationship with Harrison Ford. But then it's it's sort of the one part of that movie I I think actually really works is then when his character has to make that third act turn, it somehow still works, and you're like, oh wait, Harrison Ford's kind of like very menacing and scary in this movie and seems like this this killer um that's just been like living in this house with this woman um and you know we haven't talked about blade runner really i think that is other than now i'm kind of going to regret what i said earlier about witness and raiders being because i i really love him in blade runner and i think that's an interesting case of the actor not enjoying being on the movie kind of giving a better performance. He's so like sad and melancholy in that movie and is so understated. And I'm kind of obsessed with his performance in that movie. I think he's also really great in the the sequel. I think that's kind of like the best performance he's given in the last couple decades, but um, just him in that first movie. It, and, and I have to imagine it is partially how much he really did disliked working on that movie and how hellish that production was and like the constant bickering with Ridley Scott but like that comes through and sort of adds this kind of like hangdog sense of sadness to him um that I I I think he's able to sort of convey so much without saying so little and just his kind of like little sad boy face sitting in the rain or just sort of him kind of like nervously glancing uh at um Gosh, who's who's the the what's the name of the Rachel, the the replicant he falls in love with, the um Sean Young character. Um I I don't know, do you what, what what's your uh, opinion on him in that movie? I love the sad boy 
in the rain. I wish I remember what you just said. <laughs> sad yeah, yeah. Little boy. Um, no, I think there's like a ingrained loneliness to that character. I think that it's, it's just, um, I mean, it's kind of similar to the, the Gosling one, even though it's very different because, you know, he's a replicant, et cetera. But like, um, that's not a spoiler right now. It's not a, it's not a spoil. I feel like that's baked in too. <laughs> I think, yeah, right. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's just something that um, really like, it is probably the moodiest performance. And I think you're right. I think the, the, the actual production probably like leaked in, you know, um, to like just his overall feel like for the being in the movie. And I think that that's happened on several different occasions with other films as well. Like people's, um, unfortunately their misery ends up coming through in a way that somehow makes the performance better. Sorry for anyone that goes through that, but, um, he, he, it is one of his best. And it's funny because we're going through these and we both have said like, it's his best, or maybe this is his best. I feel like I'm like seeing Harrison Ford in even more of a new light from this conversation. Like he really is actually a um, has a fantastic resume, like really, truly does. But Blade Runner is one of those movies that's just on its own. It's just such a um, fantastic film. It's such a great idea. It's such a mood. And he is that mood. And he is that sullen boy in the rain, um, just unhappy, going through the motions day to day. And uh, he does it. He does it perfectly. Well, uh, any last Harrison Ford thoughts before we kind of wrap wrap it up for this episode or any last indiana jones thoughts um let's see i don't have any more i don't think i i could pull out some quotes or something but um i'm not gonna do that but i will say the the only other tidbit um why, why can't i think of what the sasha baron conan film is um not borat oh is is, is it uh bruno Yes. My favorite, like my, the part in Bruno that I think is hilarious is when he has an exclusive interview with Harrison Ford and all it is, is him telling him to F off in a very, very angry voice. And I just imagine like, he didn't know that was Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, just like nobody did. And, uh, was really generally irritated by this person. And that's just, I don't know. It, that's, that's where I'll leave one of my favorite moments with, um, yeah. I'll 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 end with my other favorite just like Harrison moment in pop culture is um the segment of the David Blaine show where David Blaine does like, the yes. magic, magic trick. Uh, yes, what, yes, what, yes, I forgot what, about that. What, 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 he like pulls an or a card out of an orange or something like that, and the look of both sort of like amusement while also kind of like <laughs> how what is what in the world is going on that is like on Harrison's Ford space and then Harrison Ford just turns to him and is like get the f out of my house it is it's like one of the funniest things you'll ever see yeah I I remember that that was on like um they had like a special right I remember seeing that I thought it was hilarious and it's just you know what I mean it's like so Harrison just like the whole you know f off like <laughs> I just love that um you know he's he's unapologetically him and I think you know he's unapologetically indie which is why that you know franchise is still is still going well, uh, Christy, thank you for stopping by this week to to talk about Mr. Harrison Ford. Coming up in the next few weeks on the latest, uh, speaking of aging action stars, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll have another Tom Cruise conversation because uh, we have a new Mission Impossible movie coming out. Uh, I would say if you're missing some of the extreme practical effects of the Indiana Jones series, t- 
Tom, Tom Cruise is is giving you what you want in, in the new Mission Impossible movie. Uh, and then as the weeks go on, I'm sure we'll talk about Barbie. We'll talk about Oppenheimer. Uh, we'll maybe also talk about Talk to Me, this really, really scary horror movie I saw last night. Um, so yeah, just tune, tune in and several more weeks of great episodes.